Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Now, last night saw the first step in that process for the return of indoor dining this month. TDs voted to pass that law that's needed to allow people who've been fully vaccinated or who have recovered from COVID to eat and drink in indoor settings. Again, as I said, the legislation now goes to the Shannon. If it passes the upper house, which we expect it will, it then goes on to the president to be signed into law. That then essentially allows the publicans and the restaurateurs to pull up those shutters again for the first time since Christmas Eve set up those tables order in the stock start getting the bookings in and start serving their customers on a date sometime before July the 26th you can of course bring your kids with you as well CMO Tony Houlihan suggesting last night that that May not be the wisest ad, uh, thing to do from a public health perspective, but a number of government ministers out this morning saying, look, it's up to you. Parents will ultimately make the decision on that. So it's simple, eh? Well, no, it's not so simple. While the debate in the legislation was robust inside the House, at the same time, hundreds of people were protesting outside the Dáil, which, of course, is sitting at the Convention Centre in Dublin at the moment. A peaceful protest, but a strong one in terms of numbers and against this two-tier system that they say will give some people, the vaccinated, the recovered and their kids, the right to sit and eat indoors while those still waiting for a COVID jab or those who, for some reason, can't take one must sit outdoors. The government admitting it's not a perfect solution. The Public Expenditure Minister, Michael McGrath, among those out talking about it this morning, he he was pointing out it's not the approach that they necessarily wanted to implement. It's not ideal. It has its downsides, he said. But he says there was a stark choice. Either don't open indoor hospitality at all for another few months, possibly through to the end of September, or open it fully without any restrictions. We're hearing consistent warnings in recent days and weeks about this new Delta variant and it's accounting for 80% of cases here. Uh, Or we go for this middle path, the one that the government has, uh, has gone down with this legislation. He's describing it as sensible. Do you think it's sensible? Do you think it's middle path? Do you think it's discrimination, pure and simple? Will you be rushing out for a pint or a meal indoors? And if so, will you be bringing the kids? Should we just be keeping our indoor venues closed until all of the adults or as close to all of the adults as we're going to get are vaccinated? Or should we just open the doors now fully and for all and for everyone? Well, to discuss this, firstly, I'm joined by Liam Herrick, who's the Executive Director of the Irish Council for Civil Liberties. Liam, thanks for joining me on the Nile Boylan Show today here on Ireland's Classic Hits. Your view on this legislation, please. Uh, Good afternoon, Tara. Well, from the beginning, and I mean going back as far as January or February of this year, um, the Irish Council for Civil Liberties argued against going down this road. We felt that this was the wrong direction to have because so much of our COVID response has been based on solidarity and we're all in this together and we felt this was the wrong choice to make by government. And that was the government's position as recently as two and a half weeks ago. The government, um, for all of those reasons, because it was discriminatory, because of the privacy and data protection issues around it, because that it was contradictory to the voluntary vaccination programme that we have, the government was opposed to it. And I think that not only are there good reasons of principle why it's wrong. We also feel that this is unworkable. And I think if you look at the shambles that has been the government trying to explain what it's doing over the last couple of days, I think that's proving true too. So 
I think this is going to lead to a lot of legal problems and practical problems, and it's also bad public health. Uh, I think it's very hard to see how this is a secure or practical system from a public health perspective, given that there's going to be virtually no enforcement or verification. So I, I think in trying to bridge a gap between um, the changing public health situation and the worsening situation with the variants and the commitments the government had made to hospitality beforehand, they tried to bridge the gap. The solution they've gone for, I think, is likely to make things worse. And uh, I think that that's why we were very disappointed with the way the government has railroaded this through the dial over the last couple of days. Well, I mean, railroaded, but it has, it has to be said by that vote passing by a fairly narrow enough majority uh, last night, considering the numbers that the government has versus the opposition benches. But I suppose that's just a technicality. Look, the the government are arguing, and certainly Leo Varadkar and Stephen Donnelly have, you know, presented the assertion that there is EU precedence for this in terms of the European decision, uh, which Ireland has signed up to as of all of the uh, EU member states, to allow travel for people who are vaccinated. So that there's precedent there for this. It's not that the government is necessarily making a decision that they know is discriminatory and that they're happy to discriminate against. I don't I don't think that's their view or their feeling on it. Middle of the road is sort of, you know, the, making the best of a bad lot is, is certainly the argument yeah. there presenting. But the precedent is there from a European perspective. In terms of the EU digital pass, Tara, I mean, there's very important distinctions. First of all, the EU digital pass is very much based on the principle there should be no discrimination between vaccinated and unvaccinated people. That's why the digital pass for travel allows people with negative tests to access travel as well. And that's not what's being proposed here with regard to access to hospitality. That's a crucial distinction. The other distinction is the government is somehow suggesting that pubs and restaurants are equivalent to airports in terms of the security of a verification system. So like when you turn up at a security check at an airport with your passport and maybe your EU digital pass, when your documents are checked, they're checked by a professional security official and you're going to be very unlikely to try to impersonate somebody else in doing that because the consequences are very serious for you. The motivations of somebody trying to access a pub and indeed the staff of the pub are completely different. But I think what we've really seen over the last couple of days is the government saying it's this or nothing. And, you know, the reason we've ended up in this situation is the government has spent the last several weeks negotiating with the hospitality industry and not talking to anybody else in terms of workers, in terms of Data Protection Commission, uh, the Human Rights and Equality Commission. And that's why if you treat this similarly, simply as a negotiation with, with the industry, that you're going to miss a whole lot of other aspects of this. And then we have the debacle of the last couple of days of the government just encountering all of these anomalies that they haven't thought about before. Uh, like, for example, I think a lot of your listeners are in the situation now where we've been told that children can't go to summer camps next week yeah. because that's not safe, but they can go into pubs with mm. their parents. Mm. You know, and th- th- that's, that's an absurdity. And there's lots of other absurdities, which were, to be frank, all predicted beforehand, you know. So I think the government saying to us now, it's this or nothing, 
is pretty cynical and it really isn't good enough. Well, on the issue of testing which you raised there, I know that the AIM2 leader, Padre Tobin, he's writing to the President asking for him not to sign this legislation into law uh, as and when it gets through the Shannon because he's pointing out, uh, as you did yourself, that that the testing, uh, you know, could form part of uh, maybe a more middle-of-the-road type of solution here. But look... Honestly, Liam, if we, if we, and you, you raise the issue of enforcement. And I mean, you know, from what we see, right, people, if they want to make a booking and they turn up to a restaurant or to eat indoors in a pub, are going to have to produce their vaccine certificate, um, which either shows they've been vaccinated or they've recovered from COVID. But there's no way of checking it. So if there's no way of checking it, who's going to do the testing at the door? It's it's just beyond you know you've 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 actually got publicans and restaurateurs saying for in the first instance they can't find staff because people are still yeah. on the PUP so they're already short staffed in trying to deliver the service that that they would do normally now suddenly they're going to be expected to check uh, vaccination certs and potentially according to what you and Father Tobin maybe are suggesting as an add on to make this fairer testing as well. Well, no, it's not I mean, feasible. Th- th- well, there's no suggestion, I don't think, Tara, from anybody that testing would take place in pubs. No, what, what we're talking about is in many of the countries in Europe, which the government is saying have done this already, the situation is different because to get your pass, you can either have a vaccine or have a negative test. So that means there's no discrimination against young people, for example. Well, hold on, there is, no, hold on, there is discrimination because I'll tell you why. If you want to go and fly and and go to an airport, you have to pay for that test. So now, in addition to going out and maybe having a meal and having a few jars, you now, if you don't have a vaccine, either because you can't take it, you won't take it, or you haven't gotten your your place on the list yet, you're suddenly expected to fork out, be anywhere between another 60 and 100 quid. That is discriminatory. That's discriminatory to people who don't have but, means. Tara, that's, that's exactly the point because in Denmark, for example, it's free antigen testing that's widely publicly available and that's accepted. So it's not a discrimination on the basis of economic ability because the, the tests are provided free. Now, well, I mean, the tests we're, aren't, we're, antigen testing isn't even being accepted here yet. They're talking about trying well, it in point. part for, for the so, return so the of context, college. So the context is different here. I mean, that's what I'm saying. If you introduce a system of passes in a context where you have free available testing, which is accepted, the consequences are completely different than what's being proposed here. I mean, this again is this kind of there is no alternative. You know, what has the government done over recent months about the availability of antigen testing? What has the government done about ventilation in indoor places? What has it done about hiring more health and safety inspectors, environmental health inspectors? So so the idea that we reach this point and the government says, well, look, we've no alternatives. This is the only option when it hasn't looked at other alternatives up to now, I think isn't really good enough. And I mean, nobody's saying the government didn't have very difficult choices to make here. It did. It could have either delayed the closure, or delayed the opening and hoped that the vaccine program would roll out a lot over the next couple of weeks. Now, that would have hurt industry and they might mm-hmm. have needed to be compensated or 
they could have said, okay, we are going to open, maybe some, not all, and we're going to invest money in ventilation and so on. Right. So, like, but, there but, were other options on the table. No, there, and, and, and the look, okay, so there, there were other options. And so to that end, there still are other options. But what's, what's happening here as well is you have a ticking clock and you have the vintners and you have the Restaurants Association and you have small businesses all over the country who just want to be able to yeah. work again. So we can't restart that clock. It's kind of like the argument that's being presented about, you know, St. Vincent's Hospital and the land that it's being built on. You know, it, to do that again, what, what, you know, what are we supposed to do now at this stage? Just make a decision and call it. We're not opening again until the end of September when all adults are going to be vaccinated. But even then, Liam Herrick, uh, you're not going to have everybody who wants to take a vaccine. And so they can still argue they're being discriminated against and it is essentially enforced vaccination. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the uptake of the vaccine tariff, of course, has been such a huge success here. And I, I, but know, you still have a lot of people, Liam. You still have a lot of people well, who, who either are taking it. But you still have people, you still have people who, for whatever reason, in some cases they can't because of pre-existing medical conditions. In other cases, they don't agree with it. They do not want a vaccine and they, they, uh, they would still be in a position, therefore, even if the vaccination program was to ramp up even further. And it's, it's ticking along quite nicely, that has to be said. But yep. you'd still have people then who are going to argue that their, that their uh, civil liberties and their human rights are, are, um, you know, are, are not being taken account of because essentially it's enforced vaccination. That's right. I mean, some people will take that view regardless. I mean, but when we talk about the success here, Tara, you know, of the uptake, it's based on the principle of consent and voluntariness. Like that, that's why we have succeeded so much. There's been research done in Ireland and indeed in the United Kingdom that if you introduce discrimination on the basis of vaccine, it can actually have a negative effect on uptake. That it, you know, if young people see that there is now discrimination being introduced, it might make them less inclined to take the vaccine. And that, that I suppose, is the solidarity issue here. Like what's happened over the last year and a half is young people who don't have the same level of risk of getting very sick from this disease have given up huge amounts in the interest of protecting more vulnerable people in society, which is a huge act of generosity. It's a huge thing that we should congratulate ourselves as a society on doing. And why at this stage, when things are going well, when we're getting such a high number of vaccines, would we go down a different road with potentially negative consequences? Well, and look, I know I don't think anyone is going to take away the sacrifice that younger people have made. But tell that to anyone in the over sixty-five or over seventy cohort who who cocooned for months on end, and now want to be able to go and just have you know a bite to eat with their friend or their husband or their wife who's also you know in the older age cohort and wants to be able to do that now indoors. So they don't have to pick a day where the weather is going to be nice. They just want to be able to go and have a jar in their local pub again. Well, I mean, I think the way that this was presented as recently as a few weeks ago with government is that, look, it might just be a delay of a couple of weeks until we reach 80% or 90% of the adult population vaccinated. Now, if that is the case, this is a very risky and expensive adventure to go on for the sake of a couple of weeks. But the goalposts are also moving now because we were told, first of all, it's until we get to a certain proportion of the adult population are vaccinated. Now already in the government's proposal, the Tarnished has made reference to, well, we might still have children unvaccinated in the autumn so there might be an ongoing need then and we're also being told that it's not just about pubs and restaurants it might be on other indoor facilities too now there is a cohort of people out there 
that have opposed all of the public health measures that are you know, non-believers in vaccines and all of that. They're a small group. Um, in Ireland, they haven't got as much traction as they have done elsewhere. But I mean, this is feeding into their cynicism and their suspicion. And I think this is completely avoidable. You know, the, the government could have avoided this debacle by just saying, we're not going to go down the discrimination route. We're going to concentrate more on availability of testing, on better safety in terms of indoor dining. And maybe there might be a delay of a couple of weeks until we work this out. But the end of the day, our vaccine rollout has been one of the most successful in the world. Let's invest in that and prioritize it. So I think that this is a red herring. I don't think it will be enforced in practice, Tara. I don't think it will have that much of a public health benefit, but, but I do think it's setting a dangerous precedent. And, and really, it's a shame the government has made this U-turn for no obvious good reasons. OK, so to use that awful phrase, Liam Herrick, that we were all very aware of at the time of the uh, spectacular implosion of the Celtic Tiger, we are where we are. So if it was you who had to make the decision today, what would you do, can I ask you? Would you just keep the pubs and restaurants closed and other indoor facilities closed until September, maybe into October, till the vaccination rate is where it needs to be? Or would you open up and have the free-for-all and risk what might happen to our health service now that we have the Delta variant of COVID, which has a much higher rate of replication? We've seen a 38% increase in the number of people in hospital in a week. And if that 38% replicates next week and the week after that and the week after that and we get to September, you know, which of those is the most appealing vista for you? Or put up with a law that is not perfect, that is, according to Michael McGrath, sensible, but is also temporary for, for a short period of time. I think, Tara, the false choice here is a suggestion that this system, which will have no enforcement, is going to be the critical difference between something being unsafe and being safe. So the government was always going to have to make a choice at some point in time about when the risk was tolerable. Now, the new variant changed that. So you still have all of the things you can do in terms of indoor safety and testing, and you do have a certain risk whenever you open up and how you open up. So that choice would still be there. But what the government has said over the last two weeks is, well, actually, there's a magic solution to all of this. It's a form of vaccine passports and discrimination, but we're not going to have any enforcement around it. We don't think that that's logical. We don't think that's tenable. So look, if the situation continues to deteriorate, I'm not sure the vaccine passports are going to save us from having to close hospitality again. And at the same time, if there have been an investment in testing and indoor safety, you know, I think that it might be possible to open in a couple of weeks' time if we got to the the level of vaccine take-up that the government is planning to do. So to answer my question, if it was your call and you had to make it today, you're staying keep closed. Is that I what I'm reading? It, I'm reading a nuance in what you're saying there, but you're, you're sceptical about the vaccine passports. You're sceptical that we, we, we or, or you're, you're considering the, the vista that we may have to close again, close everything down again in a few weeks. So, you know, call it. Are you staying closed? Or are you opening for all? Or are you going with this middle ground that the government is already on the path of? We just don't see this as a middle ground. We just don't think that this is going to to save. I I think it's going to be a week-by-week decision at this point in time. The government could have opened to all sections last week and kept a very tight monitor on it to see if the numbers were going up or going down, or it could have waited a couple of weeks. Either would have been logical Okay, but either way, I'm asking you, if you had to be the person to make the decision today, Liam Herrick, Executive Director of the Irish Council for Civil Liberties, if you were Taoiseach and it was your call today... What would you do? Open, close, go the middle ground. 
don't go down the road of vaccine passports. That's the one thing that they should not so do. So stay closed then is what you're saying, is it? No. It, there, there was so other open up then the is what you're saying, is it? Tara, there were other options on the table that cho- the government chose I know, not but to Liam, they're not, I know. And, and, I, and, and look, I, I, I take on board all of the points you've made. And look, you know, I don't think anyone can really argue with you that a lot of them were eminently sensible and that a lot of consideration should have been given to other parts of this prior to now, as you've pointed out, ventilation, you know, other, other parts of this and maybe more consultation with different groups rather than just the special interest or lobby groups in, in the hospitality sector. But something has to be done. A decision has to be made and it has to be made now. So what do you think, in your opinion, I'm asking you, should be done? Clearly, you're not in favour of of what the government say and you dispute is a middle of the road strategy. So do we open or do we close? Very clear that we should not be using vaccine passports for pubs and hospitality in any circumstances, and the government should go back to the drawing board and see if it can either open safely or delay opening. There's two other options on the table, both are viable options. This is a bad option in any circumstances. And where we're going to end up is with the same choices about safety in a couple of weeks' time, but a whole lot of other issues the government has taken on itself and indeed has given industry. So look, our prediction at this stage is this is going to make things worse. And I think we'll be back having the same discussions about safe or unsafe opening in a couple of weeks' time. Oh, dear God, I hope not. But Liam Herrick, Executive Director of the Irish Council for Liberties, Civil Liberties, thank you very much for your time today on the Nile Boylan Show. I don't know, where do you stand on this? This seems to be coming for me, becoming more confusing rather than less confusing as we go along. What would you do? Or do you see this as a middle path? Is this discrimination pure and simple? Will you be going out for a pint? Will you be bringing your kids? We want to hear what you have to say. 087188 is the WhatsApp number, the phone number 1850 at Niall Boylan Show on Twitter and I'm there as well at Tara at last talking about you know, yet again, this uh, big debate about the reopening of indoor dining. Uh, the legislation is making its way through. Huge opposition on the streets of Dublin with a protest uh, involving a thousand people or thereabouts, a little bit over that maybe, outside the convention centre last night. Liam Herrick from the Irish Council for Civil Liberties. Well, they don't believe, as the government say, this is a middle-of-the-road solution at all. Uh, Liam Herrick essentially suggesting that he sees the vaccine passport being thrown out and ripped up uh, in the short to medium term and that we may face closures again down the future. We want to know what you think. Will you be going to pubs and restaurants? Are you dying to get out? Are you planning on giving a wide berth? Would you bring your kids? Tony Houlihan threw that one into the mix last night. You know, you can bring your children if you're fully vaccinated, but he's suggesting that we shouldn't. Uh, So we want to know what you think. Get in touch with the programme and let us know your views. Sophie, you actually work in the restaurant industry. Where are you on all this? Like, I'm... I can get where they're coming from with it. Like, I guess they want to do the best of both, where they want to get people back out and into the restaurants and they want the restaurants to open up again. But I feel like if the way they're approaching it with this whole um, vaccinated people only or people who can prove that they've recovered from COVID is not the best approach because, like, I'm unvaccinated myself. I'm in my early 20s. The only way I can get a vaccination is through the pharmacies and that is just a whole debacle. Like... How is it fair if they expect the likes of me and my colleagues and everyone else who's working in this industry that are not vaccinated to have to go to work every day, 
and only look after vaccinated people, but we can't go into the restaurants we work in ourselves and sit down and have a meal. Like, I don't think it's fair. It seems like it's a whole big debacle that they're trying to find the best solution, but in the process, they're just... It just seems like a complete and utter mess to me. And look, like, there's, you, and you know, there's, there's so many points in time during this last 15, 16 months that, you know, words like the ones you've just used, it's an absolute mess. It's a debacle. We don't know whether to turn right or left or what to do. I see your point about the unfairness. But, you know, a lot of people were very critical of teachers a couple of months ago when they said, well, we're expected to go into classrooms and be unvaccinated with groups of up to 30 people. You know, let's not forget that at the start of this pandemic and up until the start of this year, in actual fact, we had people working in the health system who were unvaccinated and dealing with people. We'd working people working in supermarkets and shops who were unvaccinated and doing their job. So can you see that everyone's have a, had a level of unfairness or is there something specifically uh, important about the hospitality industry? And, and the government, you're rightly saying, you know, they're being criticised for, for, for not doing these things. But then an awful lot of people are saying we want things to reopen. Yeah, like completely. Like so many people have had to work in very dangerous situations where they've put their lives and their family's health and everything at risk without a vaccination and like it's not fair and like yeah we're all upset that we want things to go back to normal we want things to open up and they were saying a few weeks ago yep it's going to open up on the 5th and everyone got excited and was ready for it and we started preparing and work for it just to be told yeah no it's going to be the 19th now just to be told again yeah no it's only vaccinated people like no business anyway wants to be told yeah so you have to segregate who you bring in you're only allowed this group of people not this group of people like nobody wants to be told yeah you have to uh say no to business you have to put people at risk you have to expect your staff to work even if they're unvaccinated or unvaccinated people like it's not fair that everyone can't get is all as quick as possible. Like, it's not fair. Like, the likes of teachers and everything in a room with 30 students, more or less, and then people working in hospitals and everything. Like, nothing since this pandemic started has been fair. No, and I think that's probably the the, the biggest truism I've heard anyone say is what you've just said. Nothing in any of this has been fair. Do you, are, do you are you looking forward to getting your vaccine? Are you are you, do you you know are you are you looking forward to being able to even if you work in a in a restaurant or a pub as you do being able to go in and sit inside and actually be served yourself? Honestly, I cannot wait for a bit of normality. I am dying for things to go back to normal to be able to go out with friends and family, sit down, have a meal, and a chat like we used, to, and then be able to go on a holiday again and just not have to wonder, is this a safe thing to do? Am I putting people at risk by going out? Because, like, every time I go out, I'm like, right, how are the people in my family that are vulnerable? Yeah. How am I putting them at risk by doing this? Mm. And, like, I don't like having to take a step back and analyse whether going doing something is going to potentially put someone at risk. Like, I just want to be able to turn around one morning and be go, and go, you know what, it's 
grand, we're all fine. Oh, Sophie, I think we all... It's not I, big I, of a deal. Yeah, I think we all want that. That's what we all want. And I think that's, you know, certainly where not even just our government, but governments around the world all want that too. I think the World Health Organization wants that too. I don't think anyone's, you know, can be accused of, of not just wanting just to have our life again. And as we knew it, do you exactly. think, Sophie, as somebody in your 20s, I mean, I've teenagers... Um, they were stuck at home homeschooling. You know, they were stuck at home, very restricted movements, couldn't go anywhere, couldn't see anyone, couldn't do anything. Do you think young people have really been disproportionately impacted by this? Like, honestly, yes. Because, like, I remember being a teenager and looking at being in my twenties, like, oh, it's going to be so much fun, going to get a good concert, go on holidays. And I had so much planned for last year mm. and this year. And it's all been cancelled. Like, I was meant to be going to a ton of concerts, going over to America and everything. And I've had to cancel it all, basically. Like, I remember being younger and looking forward to doing all these things, having so much freedom, being able to do fun stuff whenever. And nothing. I've had nothing. And it's just put an entire setback on everything. Andy, I want to bring you in here as well. Where are mm-hmm. you on all of this? It's a very difficult one. You can't help but have sympathy for Sophie, but you can't help but have sympathy for lots of people in this. What should we I, do? I, I think Sophie's 100% right. L- let me put it to you this way. What would have happened if when we had turned to the 20-year-olds, the teenagers, and said, listen, we need you to do this, not for ye, but and they turned around and said, look, we're not going to get any problem with this. Saji, we, we want our life. I can tell you what would have happened, and an awful lot more people would have known, grandparents, parents, siblings, whatever. So, I mean, literally, and I'm saying this bluntly to people, the young people that we have raised have actually made us so proud of being brave enough to say, look, whatever it takes, that's what we'll do. And now we're saying to them, Jesus, we're desperate for a pint, and we need to go out for something to eat. These kids give up college. They give up experiences. They give up their life. And we're worried about whether or not we get a point. I think it shows which of the generations really are the more, um, how would we put it, insular or, or cynical or I don't know what word you'd use for it. But I can tell you one thing, the young people are standing head and shoulders above us at the moment. And I mean, and I Sophie, think, and I'm sure all of them are just thoroughly fed up at this stage. So, Andy, oh getting yeah. back to the point about, you know, what should we do at this point? Should we open up for all and take that risk? A lot of countries are doing it. Or should we just stay closed until we have the vaccination rate yeah. essentially covering all adults and probably older teenagers and okay. maybe some children too? That could take... Till the end of this year, that could take into next year, and then you you know now we're looking down the vista of people having to have booster jabs as well. Yeah, like we could be that. in a cycle of this for years, and are the pubs going to stay closed? Are the restaurants going to stay closed? Are we not going to be able to travel or do anything until then? Well, Tara, it's like this: before we had the pandemic, we had one of the worst healthcare systems in this country. Do we want to go back and put more pressure on that, or are we saying, look, uh, okay, debts are down, brilliant? but there's long COVID, there's other issues with COVID. Do we really want to put all that pressure from younger people who may get ill onto our system that was already really, really bad? And I'm telling you, there's a tsunami of people who are waiting for treatment as well who've had to put it off. So no, we should stay closed for the next couple of months if it takes till September, if it takes till Christmas, 
So we have absolutely everybody vaccinated, okay? If this was polio, if this was typhoid, if this was any major disease that we had in the 1940s and 50s, I can tell you one thing, we wouldn't even be having this discussion. But now we're in a culture of me and what's good for me instead of what's good for us. And we have to stay closed until every single person who put their life on hold to make sure everyone else was safe is vaccinated and safe. That's my view. And if it's, if it's because of a point, God, I'm sorry for you. But you know, it's and, not like you can't have it at home. And while I accept, Andy, that, you know, the young people have really taken a hit and they've had their lives so disrupted by this, I did raise with Liam Herrick, you know, think of the older people who cocooned. I mean, they, they really suffered. They were stuck sometimes on their own. You know, you'd mm-hmm. lots of widows and widowers up and down the length and breadth of the country yes. stuck on their own. Some who yeah. were able to embrace technology and be able to have Zoom mm-hmm. calls with their friends, their neighbours and their families, their grandkids. Others who saw nobody from one end of the week to the other. Yeah. And, and as I say... And, but is, is now absolutely. not the time that they are vaccinated? Is the payback no. for them? Should the payback for them not be, OK, now you can go and live your life a little bit because you were so constrained? But sure, we could, but we, could, we could say the exact same thing to the 20-year-olds who actually gave up what they, their time and they could have said, well, look, it, it wasn't ever going to be a, a problem for them. It was never going to be a problem for them in, in the capacity. We asked them to do an adult thing. We asked them to make adult decisions. We asked them to take responsibility for something that wasn't their responsibility. And all we're saying as adults, well, look, we're finding it a little bit too tough to take another few months of this for ye. Yeah, but also, but, but, but also, Andy, the argument can be made that, you know, these are people who have a long life ahead of them, whereas people who are maybe in their 70s and their 80s don't so much. Carl, welcome Hi. to the Niall Boylan Show. Thanks, you're, nice to talk to you again. Yeah, and you are in, I don't, I don't want to sort of disclose oh, your age, but, oh, oh. but you're in approaching, certainly, yeah, not yeah. the very elderly stage of life, but you're, you're one of the older people. 69, so, well, so, you know, I don't agree with Andy. Sorry, you know, there's another side to it all. I mean, we're, we've all been hit by it. I'm very sorry for the young people. I, I don't have a family myself, but I'm very close to my nephew. I bring him, he's had no football for the last two years. Mm. Everybody's been hit, but the bottom line is how many years have I got left? And I, I, I mean, you know, 10. I've, I've been talking to people, they all say, you know, because once you get, I was actually talking to experts, and they say, once you get into the kind of the 80, if you live that long, you're not going to be mentally, you'll be very lucky if you're mentally and physically alive to be just, you know, having, having a life that, that, that you might have known in your middle age, shall we say. Um, I'm being very careful how I phrase it because, you know, everyone differs slightly. Yeah. But so the time is running out for me. And I mean, I can't, you know, I mean, it's, I, have this time, I, I go to the League of Ireland football terror. I haven't seen a match now in two years. Tonight will be the first one. I am going to the You're Aviva. You're going to the, bo- going to the Bose game, yeah. Away, you know, scattered all around the Aviva. There won't be much of an atmosphere. And I'm not going back to a League of Ireland match uh, until that everybody's back. I'm not, 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 not that we're allowed 200 in or something. So my whole life, I, go, I like to go out on a Saturday night. I mean, I'm not interested in drinking, living in I like the live music. So my life is just going by, and every month that goes by, I'm thinking, how, how much have I left? Like, you know, is this going to keep going on? And it is going on. It's going on. There'll always be something as long as you've got Tony Hoolan, another variant, another this, another that. You know, we don't go, the kids are going back to school. Now the students are going back. Now it's Christmas again. Now it's winter. We'll have a look at it next spring. You could, this could be going on for a donkey a year. You've got to sometimes, that's why I can understand what they did in the UK, where they said, we've just got to call it a, a day and, and, and go and, and see what's going to happen. But you can be arguing for the rest of the the the, the, the rest of the night, the rest of the day. 
Tara, not just till one o'clock, because everybody's going to have a different view. But believe you me, you, you are going to find a very, very, at least if you're 20, this is just a, a blip, on a very, bad, a very bad and disappointing blip, but it's a blip on your life. For somebody in their 70s, it, you know, you might just say, how many years have I got left? And am I going to have any enjoyment? You know, so, so Carl, what, if, you, if it was your call to make then, would you just be opening up as would, a free-for-all from I, tomorrow? I would, I would set, I, I, what I would have done was, I think, unfortunately, I'd like to see more people vaccinated because the vaccine is the only, it's the only cure. So you could, you could keep saying it's put off, but I, I would pretty much name a day maybe up the vaccines for, you know, have them 24 hours a day, 24 hours a day, everybody's getting vaccinated. Chemists a lot just, you know, throw the whole bloody... Well, in an ideal world, Carl, but we don't live in one and that's not the way this is going to happen. It's a a difficult one, but I I do think there comes a time where you've got to say, that's the day we're opening and and we're aiming for that and we're going to do it. I think if you look around and think, oh, it's this, it's that, you know, you'll, you'll never get there. So we just have to plough ahead and I get on with it. I have to plough ahead, yes, I do. And, and, and unfortunately, along the way, I could be one of them. And people, does it, people, people do, are going to lose their lives. Unfortunately, not everybody's going to survive because we, we're not going to survive flu. You're not going to survive everything. You know, this, unfortunately, the winter sees the death of a lot of people. And I don't, you know, and, and nobody wants to see that. But, you, you know, that is life. Does it worry you, though, that, you know, that we're starting, and, and like in the very initial stages, but starting nonetheless, a 38% increase in the number of hospitals from COVID yeah, in the past the, week here. The hospitalisation, you know, I mean, when, if you listen to Paul Reid, Paul Reid comes on and he says, don't get sick. Our, our HSE, like the NHS across the water, you know, it's, it's not fit for purpose. I had a friend just in this week, uh, Tara, just this week, and, 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 and he, he went in at 7 o'clock for an x-ray. He didn't get the x-ray till after 12, and at half past 6 he was still there. He actually left. And, didn't, and he got a phone call back that evening saying, where were you? He says, I just gave up. I had to come home. Uh, you know, I had an, he had an actimel. That's what he had from 7 o'clock till in the morning. Yeah, I mean, look... I, the I, other I, thing, Tara, was... And, and another thing, I wouldn't want to go into the hospital, so you can tell Mr. Reid. I had a friend of mine who went in, his sister went in. She gets one of the bugs that's there. They seem to be full of bugs, and it's not just COVID. Not, it's not, not yeah, Carl, anymore. but I mean, look, I, you know, we can argue till, till, uh, till the end of, of in, infinity about the, the state of the hospital system. The point is, is that... The more people who are being treated by COVID mean the less people are being treated for other diseases. Where do you stand on this? Should we be reopening tomorrow for all or do we really need to take a cautious approach continuously? Tara Duggan in for Niall Boylan on Ireland's Classic Hits today. James, where do you stand on this very contentious debate? Should we be moving on, opening up? Should we be staying closed or should we be plotting this path that the government now has us on, the middle of the road? Some people can eat indoors. Some people have to sit outside in the rain. Uh, good afternoon, Tara. I love your, your soft Irish accent. It's beautiful. Quite fond of the Scottish one myself, James. Go on, t- give, uh, well, us, give us your opinion. I, well, I think that people have lost the, the, lost the plot, to be honest. I think that the risk of all of this for everybody, all age cohorts, is quite low. And you'd swear everybody thinks this is the Black League. I mean, we, we can look from the UK data across the water. It, it, the risk is incredibly small. And we, we sort of forget that... Uh, you know, the the Littles and the Aldis, all the supermarkets have been open and the people have been going in there yeah. for most of last year. The workers, the shop, the people going in shopping and nobody was vaccinated and, and very few people were, were getting ill. And in fact, a lot of that data is actually stored in many of those supermarkets, how many of their members would have gone off sick. And it's actually there and why we don't use that. I'm quite surprised. But you would swear um, people rushing off uh, saying, oh, um, 
you know, we've got to get back inside. Well, I think it's either everybody in or not, because once you start introducing the thin end of the wedge of these sort of uh, apartheid-type rules, we're, we're on the slippery slope. Um, I, I find it extraordinary that we're even discussing this. They should Everything should open up now for everybody. The high-risk groups have all been vaccinated. The young people are bulletproof towards this. And I defy Tony Hoolan and Neffet to show me otherwise. Look at the data. Well, if, if, if people are bulletproof, then why have the hospitalizations increased by 38% in a week? I mean, I appreciate oh, the numbers. I, well, I appreciate I, the numbers are here. small. I appreciate the numbers are small, certainly in comparison to what we saw earlier in the year. But yeah. it's still a 38% incremental increase in the space of a well, week. Let, let, let's park that straight away. When people use relative statistics, like, say, we have a doubling of sales, you can go from one to two. You can, this yes. Is the, this is the greatest trick of media to talk about, you know, relativity. In absolute terms, there's 20 people in ICU. That's I think it's correct. about 60 in the total hospital. But I can quote you the UK figures now, which I'm more familiar with. There's a total of 1.2% of hospitalizations, COVID hospitalizations in the whole of the UK. This is tiny. And yeah, but I mean, there's a, yeah, but there's a difference between the Irish hospital system and the UK hospital system, James. And it's that that ours has been in a state of chassis for a good old Dublin say for decades now. And no, what's happening actually, is, but what's no, happening, no, James? No, let me put the point to you, James. What's happening here is that the more people that we have in hospital because of COVID, the less people we have in hospital being treated for treatable diseases. That is true, but there's very few people in hospital here. That's the point I'm trying to make. We had a total of 5,000 people in the Republic of Ireland died of COVID in the whole, since the pandemic began. Yeah. But if you ask your average person in the street, do you know how many people die, uh, you know, in Ireland per year? They haven't got a clue. No, and nor the numbers for, for things like cancer or flus either. Yeah. Like typically in the UK, your normal death rate of all cause deaths is 1,300, you know, per day. Every day, mm, yeah. and yet we had thirty-five people die of COVID. And people think, "Oh God, look, it's gone up from it's gone up from twenty. We've had you know a forty percent increase." This is nonsense. Yeah, well, I don't and, know. If, I don't know if you were listening earlier in the week, James, but I mean, you know, we got a statistic uh, here. It was yesterday, the day before, three people a day in this country are dying because of drink, and here we are having a discussion about uh, whether we go to the pub or not. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.